But also, let's just be honest, people are often irritated the moment they have to do anything. This will probably be one of the most floaty and intangible tips, but it has to be in here nonetheless. I've compiled three pieces of advice from my first 20 interviews, which seem to reoccur the most that could potentially help you figure that quarter-life crisis part out and how you can embrace it. Now, since I realize everyone's lives are insanely busy, I'm going to tell you the three tips and I'll leave it up to you if you want to listen to me talk about them in more detail. They are think less and do more. Ask yourself what it is and how you feel. Get over your fear of potentially failing. And even if it doesn't, let's be honest, don't you owe it to yourself to live a life you love? Welcome to episode 21 of the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. Now, since I start every podcast with the question, are you happy? I figured I wouldn't diverge for this particular podcast. The answer to it is yes, I'm extremely happy. With a newborn baby on the way, a job I'm very passionate about and a purpose project that I care even more deeply about, I'm saying that I would say that I currently thoroughly enjoy my life. So let's reflect slightly on what changed. It's now about five months since I launched the podcast. And last week I reached episode 20. So I figured this would be a great time to reflect on my journey so far. More importantly, in this particular podcast, I'll talk about three tips that seem to have reoccurred the most throughout the first 20 episodes, ultimately with the main goal of helping you figure out your quarter-life crisis. Now, I started this podcast with a certain hypothesis that by having a quarter-life crisis, you can probably avoid a midlife crisis. I'm of the opinion that a lot of people have a midlife crisis because they reach a certain point in life where they have an awakening. At that point, they realize they're probably about halfway through their life and have come to the conclusion that they're pretty unhappy over the past 20 years or are simply no longer happy with the life they have created for themselves. Often by having bought an expensive house or other expensive materials in the hope of filling some void, You've now created a life where you're bound to paying off those things and as a result have to work rather than get to work. But also, let's just be honest, people are often irritated the moment they have to do anything. My hypothesis, therefore, is that if you embrace your quarter-life crisis and figure out earlier on in life what it is that you enjoy, what it is that will make you happy, you won't need to have a midlife crisis. Ultimately, because you build a life that you actually enjoy. Now, I can imagine you're like, Ryan, you make it sound like embracing a quarter-life crisis is easy. I still have a million unanswered questions. And I get it. Or maybe you don't have a single clue what it is that you feel passionately about. Which then results in the question, how do I embrace my quarter-life crisis? Well, to be honest, the annoying answer to that question is, I can't really tell you that. However, I've compiled three pieces of advice from my first 20 interviews which seem to reoccur the most that could potentially help you figure that quarter-life crisis part out and how you can embrace it. Now, since I realize everyone's lives are insanely busy, I'm going to tell you the three tips and I'll leave it up to you if you want to listen to me talk about them in more detail. They are think less and do more. Ask yourself what it is and how you feel. Get over your fear of potentially failing. So then starting with tip one right away. Think less and do more. This is without a doubt one of those pieces of advice that sounds super logical, but in fact, people really struggle to put them into practice. I know from my own experience that at times I can spend hours, sometimes even days, strategizing about all the things that could potentially go wrong, that as a result, I don't end up moving at all. 
And I don't think that's strange behavior. We see all throughout our educations, we get drilled into memorizing all the right answers. That if you end up memorizing the wrong answers, you get penalized for it. And if you memorize the right answers, you get rewarded for it. I think this instills a thinking that you always need to have the right answers. Otherwise, you're a failure. And yet I've come to find that the opposite is often true. You see, no matter what anyone tells you, everyone is doing life for the first time. And they are also only doing life on the basis of what they think is right. Therefore, the only way to understand what works for you is by properly embracing failure. Ultimately, trying a bunch of different things until you figure out what it is that you enjoy doing the most, irrespective of anyone else's opinion, and then hyper-focus on that. I think Nick formulated this perfectly in my interview with him. Now I have often thought that one of the things that stops people trying to do things that they're nervous about is a lack of confidence that they can come up with a solution when the problem presents itself. And they think they need to know the solution in advance. And because they are uncertain about what problems will emerge, they can't figure out any solution to the problems they don't know about. And so then they are prevented from acting. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think someone who has experience of successes, and this is important, this is why you said before, is this something you learn? Yeah, you need to learn this. You need to learn that you can make it through things, which is why, you know, when people say, uh, you know, it's not important, um, your successes, it's important, your failures, but they never really tell you why that's the case. Mm. The reason is that mm. they might say, you learn more from your failures, but again, they don't explain really what that means. Yeah. It's because through failing and succeeding and going through this process, you're developing an experience of your capacity and competencies, the range of what you're capable of, which mm -hmm. then makes you much more likely to embrace some future challenge because you're like, yeah, this is kind of like this other thing I did where I yeah. succeeded. Or I remember being in a situation where prior to engaging with it, I was nervous about it, mm -hmm. but then when I engaged with it, it was actually fine. Right? I understand that with this concept of doing still instills a feeling of being overwhelmed because the question ultimately arises, where do I start? Now, obviously, I can't tell you exactly where to start because each individual situation is different. But I have an example from my own experience that really helped me start building momentum. You see, 90% of podcasters don't make it to episode 20. About one month before I finally started filming my podcast, I was lucky enough to stumble upon this post. I recall thinking to myself, from that point forward, everything I do is focused on getting to episode 20. I would not focus on thinking about anything else, not about monetizing, not about different content formats, not really even focused on strategy. I would just record 20 episodes, cut the most important snippets from it, and put that out there. Basically, I simply need to get into that top 10%, which I then did last week, and I honestly couldn't be more proud of myself. I have no idea whether or not that post was factually accurate, but I think it was my algorithm algorithming for me exactly when I needed it. It gave me the reminder that I should break down my goals into much smaller, more achievable steps. If I would have gotten started with focus on the end goal, I would have every day been operating from a place of failure rather than from a place of strength. You see, for me to earn from my podcast is um, very far away. And yet for me to get to episode 20 is doable. So I guess that would be my advice. And to conclude tip one, if you're struggling to get started or simply don't know where to get started, don't focus on what your desired end goal should look like. Rather focus on getting to post, podcast, episode, day, customer, whatever it is that you're doing, 20. Start there. Achieve that and you will probably already be miles further than the majority. Who knows, maybe even in the top 10%. And that in itself is already an achievement to be extremely proud of. Now, I can't imagine that there's even 
a step before that where you're not sure what it is you feel passionate about, which leads to tip two. What do you feel? This will probably be one of the most floaty and intangible tips, but it has to be in here nonetheless. You have to ask yourself how you feel about your current state in life and figure out for yourself where it is that you want to go. Essentially what you would like your life to be like. For many of us, life can get so busy that we forget to check in with ourselves. We prioritize our jobs, families, social lives, but we ultimately neglect our own emotional well-being. It's not that we don't care, but we often just forget to slow down and basically listen to what our bodies are telling us. So why is it important to become more in touch with how you feel? I guess the simple answer is that your emotions are your guidance system. They tell you what's working for you and what's not. When you feel good, that's a sign that something's working for you. But when you feel bad, there's a sign that something's not quite right. You may be on the wrong track. When we ignore our feelings, we're ignoring this vital information. We're basically pushing down our emotions and pretending it's fine even when it's probably not. This can lead to stress, anxiety, and even physical health issues. And don't get me wrong, you can push this down for very long. Some people don't even ever realize it at all. Maybe you even push it down so long until you eventually have a midlife crisis. But I honestly believe at some point it's going to come out. And even if it doesn't, let's be honest. Don't you owe it to yourself to live a life you love? Don't you owe it to your best friends and the people that believe in you? But since I don't love giving advice that you can't really implement, let's talk about how to do it, how to feel. <laughs> I broke it down into a few steps, with step one being make time for yourself. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do that. For some, that means meditating for five minutes. For others, that means a two-hour trip to the therapist. Most important is whatever works for you, think back to step one and just do. Step two, start a journal. Writing down your thoughts and emotions can help you process them and look at them as if you're talking to yourself. Essentially, that process of writing it down can help you rationalize whether or not your thoughts are, well, real. For some, journaling works. For others, it doesn't. Maybe try talking to a trusted friend or advisor. But even there, try and make sure that the people you talk to is diverse. For example, it may not be wise to, to take advice from your parents. Not because they don't care about you, they probably always have their, your best interests at heart. However, if you're super passionate about chasing something and they are the type of people who have always been the type that prefer a stable job and income, which is completely fine, but they probably then would recommend you not to chase your dream, even though you have an internal burning desire to go be an entrepreneur. That's why I'd recommend talk to your family and friends, sure, however... Also talk to people who are entrepreneurs, who are in the situation that you desire to be in. Once you talk to them and figure out exactly how you feel, you can do step three. Because by understanding your emotions, you can set goals that truly resonates with what you want to achieve. Basically, you'll be able to identify what you really want rather than what you think you want. The understanding of your emotions leads to tip three in the final tip of today. Get over your fear of potentially failing. One of the most interesting realizations that I had during the first 20 episodes was the returning topic of the fear of failure. More specifically, the fact that all of the guests that I spoke to, whether they succeeded or failed, all had no fear of failure. Everything made sense to me in my conversation with Nick at this moment. I don't even think people don't want to fail. I think they're afraid of potentially failing, which stops them from moving altogether. Mm. They don't do anything because they, they're scared to even get started because they might fail. Yeah. Here's why failure should not be the end of the road, because it's a stepping stone to success. Every successful person has failed at some point in their life. 
but they kept going and learned from their mistakes. In order to get over this fear of potentially failing, I would recommend you to go back to step one and start doing. Take action, break it down into smaller steps. In addition, I think Ron Simpson formulated it best when he talked about his experience of meeting Jazzy Jeff. And he said something that resonated in my mind forever and ever. And he said, um, if you make music, if you literally make music, you go into a place and you make, create music, you won. That's it. Yeah. You have won. Now, whether that song then goes off to be a hit or whatever it is, that's the bonus. Whatever it is that you are passionate about and are considering doing, whether it's media, starting a business, or simply finding a job, if you realize that by simply doing something that you are passionate about, just the sheer fact that you get to live out something you're passionate about should already in itself be a win. And anything that comes after that, success, financial rewards, whatever it may be, that's a bonus. Then failure is impossible. Then you can't fail. The only thing that is dependent on you failing or not is your ability to do. This is literally how simple it can be. Now I realize that my examples in some cases are oversimplified version of life. Things will still get in the way. There will be days where you're questioning, do I really love this? What am I doing it for? But these three tips that I've spoken about today seem to be the things from the first 20 episodes at least that seem to come back the most often. There are tips from people who have gone before us and already failed, but also succeeded several times. So there has to be some sort of common thread in all these subjective experiences. And with that, I'll conclude my rant. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and my reflection on the first 20 episodes. If you have and you're new to this page, do consider subscribing or following wherever you are listening to this. I hope my analysis of the first 20 episodes and the tips that it brings with it will help you figure out your quarter life crisis. If you're going through one, don't worry, it gets better. I've been absolutely loving this journey over the past five months so far. And for all of you that take the time to follow and listen, I want to thank you for taking that time. I can assure you that I'm only just getting started. Thank you.